ESPN 97.5 and 92.5 proudly present the Killer Bees. Definitely fan of the Killer Bees. Don't sweat the technique. Live from the Mobile Veritex Community Bank Studios at Wakefield Crowbar. Here now are the Killer Bees, Joe Blank and Jeremy Brannan. Oh, hell yeah. You about to get all stung up. Yeah, you got to get out of here in a Wakefield Crowbar. Great time being had. We'll be here until uh, 6 o'clock. Astros game, of course, right after uh, we're done. Uh, you can get to $20 Crawford Bach buckets during the Astro playoff games tonight. Every other playoff game, $29 high noon buckets as well. Great spot to watch the games. Uh, recently renovated sports bar, a giant 24-inch, or 24-foot TV wall, 45 TV screens, perfect for Astro baseball, perfect for college football, perfect for the NFL as well. Uh, of course, a full bar, too, for your favorite cocktails, your favorite beer, all of that, much, much more. And right now, uh, John Granado's handing out free Coors Light. So you walk through the door, find us, find Granado. He's going to buy your first drink the moment you walk in to Wakefield Crowbar. Got this text in, uh, 9404, Ranger fan here. We want Houston. That was uh, That's Darren. I'm not worried about the Rangers yet. No, like I, I need to worry about wrapping up this series first, and then I'll turn my attention to the Texas Rangers. I, I mean, we already know that the it's almost the, the karma-esque curse of every fan base that likes to chant that. So, you know what? You're hated, you're wanted, because you're in a place where not many teams have been, and you continue to be. So it's flattering, but at the same time, we got other business to attend to before we start worrying about the Texas Rangers and the American League Championship Series. Lamont, have you all really been hearing lots of fans and media wishing for Correa to be here? Or is this make-believe? I haven't heard anyone, I mean, anyone say that. Heard media crying about Houston booing, but that's it. I haven't heard media saying that, but just Twitter search Carlos Correa Houston. You're going to find plenty yep. of people yep. that said we should have never let Carlos Correa walk. Even to the other ones, like, well, you know, you could have moved Pena to center field, things like that. you got to expand your horizons a little bit. Uh, yeah, the fan base on Twitter loves to bring up the fact should have paid, still should have paid the man and and all those kind of comments. Seven one three seven eight zero ESPN HRNP listener line seven one three seven eight zero three seven seven six. D'Amico Ryan's he was talking earlier this week about the run blocking, the running scheme for the Houston Texans. It had been very good, quite frankly. The Texans running game has been really really bad. In fact, I think they lost the game against Atlanta for two reasons. One, their running game stunk. Two, they continue to try to run. And then you can throw in the defense final quarter of the game, the final series, which is fair too. But from an offense perspective, the two things that killed the Texans in that game, you know, third down conversions, red zone offense, things like that. But the failure to run the ball and the commitment to continue running the ball, I think were the two biggest things of why they lost that game. And D'Amico, who normally doesn't give you a whole lot through the media, like he's, he's going he's gonna to be very careful with his words. He's going to be very few with his words, which if I was a head coach, I would do the same thing. I thought this was pretty telling from his Monday press conference about how they need to get the run game going, and it's a collective effort. But he thinks that it's been blocked pretty well. Yeah, we were in position. We got to make plays, right? And that's what it comes down to, right? You're in position. Can you make plays, right? Tackling, right? Not allowing leaky yardage. When the pass does come out, a lot of leaky yardage there. Uh, you got to play with better high discipline. But when you're in a spot and you have to make a play, a lot of contested catches that they came down with and we didn't. So we just have to find a way, right, for playmakers to step up and make plays in those situations. All right, that was a little different cut that we're looking for. But here's another one from uh, from D'Amico Ryan's talking about how the run blocking's been better the last couple weeks. Yeah, again, I mean, credit to him and the offense for when it was time to go and make a play, right? Even though it wasn't great throughout the game, we started a little slow there. But when it was time to go and finish, you know, proud of CJ and the way he went down, drove the offense down and finished. The run game got going there to help us out. And just you saw the offense play more efficiently there, and they were able to put the ball in the end zone. All right. Well, you're going to have to take our word for it. Uh, D'Amico Ryans was talking about the, the run blocking. He thought that it's been blocked pretty good. He, he defended the offensive line and their ability to run block. And this, this week we saw a different offensive line. Uh, Laramie Tunsil came back. Didn't practice today. Uh, Titus Howard was your left guard. Jared Patterson played center. You still had Shaq Mason at right guard. And then uh, George Fant was your right tackle. Defended their their blocking. He said, we're really, really close. We feel like we're, we're on the edge of kind of breaking out. Uh, Dalton Schultz, a few of the players have been saying the same thing as well. But the defense of the offensive line kind of made me feel like 
D'Amico feels that they're leaving some meat on the bone in terms of the running back position. I think if you watch the games, you can't help but feel that way, and it's to the points that you were making. But it's also the easiest thing. You know me, I'm the master of the the spin and the, the PR and trying, you know, saying this is how you handle the press conference. The right way to handle the press conference is we're so hyper-focused on doing what we need to do until we get our line healthy that we got to block for CJ. we got to make sure that we keep him upright. We do the things necessary that at some point certain areas of the offense might falter a little bit. We're working on the run game. We're going to get it where it needs to go, but we've had a lot of things to deal with. But instead, it, you know, coming out and trying to defend the run, we talk about it. What thing that was driving me nuts was in twofold when Pierce would get one of the, the the two that come to mind were like ten plus yard chunk runs that he got. You immediately get that, and then when you've got the defense kind of on their heels and wondering about the run, not only do you go back to it, but you go back to Pierce and he gets stopped behind the line of scrimmage. That not only stops Pierce, it stops momentum. It it kind of puts a, a pause on your 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 drive that you're going through, and it sets your team kind of back. And that's what I don't like. You, you're right, you don't have to talk to the media, but internally you have to be wise enough in your ways to realize, hey, look, we're just not running the football the way that we expected to this year. We know that we don't have the personnel to execute it properly, and maybe that's a, just another way we keep saying, look, the short passing game works effectively for you, and there's nothing that says that doing it more is going to hurt you. I don't understand why they're so hell-bent on, you know, I understand balance, but they're hell-bent I'm almost overrunning the football right now with everything they're dealing with. I also like the, the first and ten stuff. Like I don't I don't love that part of it. Especially it's it's banging your head against the wall. It's insanity. It's continuing to do something, seeing one result and expecting different results. I, I thought Slowick took a step back uh, from where we thought of him after the Pittsburgh game, after the previous win. Uh, this looked more like week one, uh, Baltimore. We're like, this is our plan. We're sticking to this. We're committed to it. We know it's going to work. It didn't, and it, and you have what's what's even more frustrating about it now in week five than in week one is you have a quarterback that's proven that he can go out and win game, and he flat out did win you the game, and you just didn't get the defensive stop at the end. But the way that I hear it too is I think that we're looking at more of a running back share at the at the halfback position, and and, and D'Amico was asked about Devin Singletary and why he didn't uh, get a single carry. Devin Singletary not happening. Uh, and he said, well, look, we got to give him the ball more. We will give him the ball more. I think we're – not that it's going to be 50-50, but I think we're going to see the Texans, especially this week against the Saints, experiment with Devin Singletary more getting carries, maybe a 60-40 split, to see if this whole yards per carry, Singletary leads Pierce in that category, is something that's real, if something that's actually tangible. Yeah, I think that you know, whether we get to a 60-40 split or not will remain to be seen by the effectiveness if he gets the carries, but it's worth exploring. We talk about, and I, I talk about the change of pace, and the fact that you know that you got the battering ram that get in Pierce that's going to get the yards after contact, but he's not as shifty, and he's not as quick, and if you can keep the defense honest by switching it up every third series, fourth series, getting Singletary some carries, you not only get the answers that you're looking for, but the defense has to adjust as well, and a lot of times in the process of adjusting, you can get a chunk run or two, you can get a play or two that gets you where you need to go moving the sticks and keeps drives alive and becomes more effective as an offense. That's what you'd like to see when I talk about balance. When I'm talking about balance, that's part of the balance, not just I run the ball this amount of time and I pass the ball this amount of time. It's the kind of balance you can get within the run game. And down in distance, too. Like if you, I understand that you have to be committed to the run. I'm not saying that the Texans need to go, you know, run and shoot and throw the ball 50 times a game and run it five. I'm not saying anything outrageous like that. Although it would be kind of fun to see C.J. Stroud throw it 50 times in a game. But how about you mix it up a little bit on first and 10? Like, instead of trying to use the running game to set up the passing game, maybe you go vice versa. Maybe you use the quick passing game to get yourself in second and fours. You get yourself in second and four, now you open yourself up to, like, more opportunity to, to run the ball and easier down in distances where even if it gets stuffed, now you're looking at a third and four as opposed to a third and seven and longer, which the Texans were in eight of 13 times on Sunday. What, what do you guys think about the stuff that's going around on Twitter right now and about that Damian Pierce is not a scheme fit. Yeah. So he's he's running into contact and he's not a fit in like the 49ers style offense. I was I did the you know, I watched the all twenty twos on Tuesday, pat on my back. Uh, I know people hate whatever Thank that you. stuff's brought up. But um I would agree. I would agree. Now, the failures of this offensive line, Pierce is not at the top of the list. And I, I honestly, I disagree with D'Amico defending the offensive line. There was several running plays where Damian Pierce had a wall of people before the like he even got to the line of scrimmage. Like There was multiple plays where Damian Pierce didn't have a chance. 
but I do think that there is some something valid to the fact that he is not fit for this system. Uh, he's not a one-cut, find-the-hole-and-go. I don't think he's great at reading holes, quite frankly. I brought that up the other day. I, I don't think he's great at reading, like, where to go. I think he's a guy that you tell one direction, you tell him where to go, he's going to hit that hard, and he's going to run right through you. And quite honestly, I'm seeing some hesitation from Damian Pierce. Maybe it's because that's, he's not comfortable doing that. He's not comfortable in the, uh, the zone-blocking scheme where it's one-cut go, make a decision go. It's more, you tell me where I'm running, I'm going to hit that hole as hard as I can, I'm going to take a couple people down with me, but I, I am buying that. That's why I want to see more Singletary, because well, if we, we get our information like we get intel if Singletary looks really good in a zone blocking scheme with the same stuff that Damian Pierce is having to deal with then we know our answer if Damian Pierce is a misfit and I think that more so than that too he can still be a fit schematically within the overall system if you have uh, the alter ego of a Damian Pierce on the roster, getting carries, doing the things that that offense likes to do, get them out in space, move them around, get them in short passing situations so that you have run pass options and, and you have a guy that has the quicks that can do the kind of things that the Frisco offense likes to, to really feature and capitalize on. There's still going to be a place for a, a back that, whether it's short yardage or otherwise, a guy that's going to take contact with him and going to be able to carry them for extra yardage and still be able to get effective chunk plays like we saw uh, last week it's just that you need a counterpunch. You need kind of that other, that alter ego that we're not seeing at all. And I don't understand why Singletary didn't do anything deserved to, to, like, lose carries. When he's in there, whether it's in the passing game or the running game, he seems to bring a positive to this offense. Yeah, he, he had a bad drop early in the game against Atlanta. I wonder if that had factored in at all. I tend to think it didn't because he still played a lot of snaps, just didn't get a, a single carry. So I think that there is something to the theory that he's not – a scheme fit for the zone blocking system. But we won't know until Devin Singletary gets a heavy amount of carries, until we see, okay, if you're going to run the ball 25 times on Sunday, let's see Damian Pierce 15 times and Devin Singletary 10. And if Devin Singletary averages four yards per carry and and, and Damian Pierce is at two and a half, then I start to find out more information of, yeah, maybe maybe that Damian Pierce isn't a great fit for what we're doing schematically and within our scheme. But we won't know that if Damian Pierce is getting 20 of the 25 carries and the only other two guys that are getting carries are the quarterback and Tank Dell. We won't, yeah. We'll never know. And I'm interested when they you know, continue to add to this roster and they continue to add weapons and do those kind of things. I'm interested in looking at a Pierce saying, I don't think he's ever going to be the kind of guy that's going to catch a lot of balls out of the backfield. I don't think he's going to be a guy that can be, you know, do a lot of the motion things that a lot of the Frisco offense likes to do with all their running backs and their wide receivers. But I don't think it from where you got him and what he brings to the table, I don't think he's going anywhere anytime soon. It's just it would be nice to have other options in the backfield that can get you what they want to do offensively. I don't think he's going anywhere, but you can out-recruit him. I mean, he could very easily be the second back in three weeks. Like, if Devin Singletary gets 10 carries, Damian Pierce gets 15, and Singletary outproduces him, then you're going to gradually oh. see Singletary cut into his workload, and all of a sudden Pierce is the backup. And then, yeah, then the agent starts calling because then he's frustrated. But the fact well, cool. is, is like, yeah, no, I'm, I'm not saying it's sorry, a bad Damian Pierce. He's, I'm sorry, Damian Pierce's agent. He's averaging less than three yards per carry. Do you want me to get fired? I don't care about your client when he's not producing for me. Well, I'm not saying it's a bad thing. I'm just saying, you know, that's where, you know, then the, the, his camp probably is offended by that. But that's not what you're trying to achieve. You're trying to achieve how can you optimize the offensive structure with the, with the, the tools that they have to work with. They already feel like they're limited. The fact that if you're realizing that a guy that's a battering ram is not going to do and be effective enough for what you need to do offensively as a whole, then you got to shift gears. 713-780-ESPN-HRMP listener line, 713-780-3776. You want to wait on the Texans' lack of running game, uh, Astros game four against the Twins. Also, I'm starting to see a lot of angst with Will Anderson. Starting to see people get impatient with Will Anderson not being able to finish not being able to get to the quarterback. Just one sack that happened in his debut. Where are you? Do you have Will Anderson angst? 713-780-376. It's the Killer Bees on ESPN 97.5 and ESPN 92.5. Lots of sports to be watched over the coming days. Baseball today. You got football tomorrow. Football weekend coming up. Still the LCSs and the World Series to come as well. And you have to head over to Little Woodrow's and catch the game. They have game days covered better than anybody else. My favorite sports bar in Houston. I'm there every week. It's also your spot to catch the Strokes in the playoffs. Especially the Edo location within walking distance of Minute Maid Park. 
Big parties before the game, during the game, and after the game as well. Large patios with HDTVs, jumbotrons with all the sports that you want to watch, and never a bad seat in the house. Fall weather will be here before we know it. Postseason baseball, football's going on nearly every day. It's Woodrow's season. Little Woodrow's a casual backyard bar that you can find all over H-Town. Game day bucket specials, daily drink specials, great food. Whether it's a location with a kitchen or a spot with a food truck, it's all fantastic. Good times and colder beer, local bites at Southern Hospitality at its finest. Make Little Woodrow's your happy hour spot, your game day location, or where you relax on the patio with good drinks and good company, and it's pet friendly. Three new locations coming soon, Sugarland, Webster, and a new one in Edo. Little Woodrow's, where sports come alive and good times never end. You found ESPN 97.5 and 92.5. I can feel it. I can feel it down in my plums. You're getting a nice bluish hue. You're back in the hive with the Killer Bees. Live from the Mobile Veritex Community Bank Studios at Wakefield Crowbar. Here's Joel Blank and Jeremy Branham. Great time out here, Wakefield Crowbar. It's your spot to watch the game tonight. Can't make it tonight, but your spot to watch Astro Baseball. $20 Crawford Bach Buckets, $29 High Noon Buckets. Wall-to-wall TVs, great drinks all tap on tap. And uh, right now, you can get some free Coors Lights. You walk in the door, and Granado's handing out free Coors Lights. You, you can't beat that. So get on out here, get some free Coors Lights. There's still some on that back table. Uh, plenty to go around for all of you. 713-780-3776. We'll get to the, uh, the is there angst growing with Will Anderson? 713-780-3776. Uh, 9461, you guys need to eat crow. All year, every time I listen in, y'all bash Dusty and Maldi. It's not only you. It's all the callers that call in and the Facebook groups and other Astro fan groups. Fans comment on how they hope we lose, so Dusty has absolutely no chance of being back. It's like this fan base only wants to gripe and complain about Dusty and Maldi. Where is the support for this team? Easy, Pauly G. Uh, we are very honest about Dusty. Jeremy did his damnedest all season long to try and not to say a word about Dusty Baker. I even I bought always, a shirt. Yes. I bought an in Dusty I Trust You yes, shirt. Yes, you did. And, and I, you know, stayed true to the fact that I'm going to be as honest as I possibly can. And what I always said was, and I always want to make sure that you understand this, just like the Twitter people that got misconstrued with Pauly G yesterday. I never in a million years wished the Astros would lose to prove a point or to get the right player in the lineup, and I would never say that. But I will tell you this. I will question every single time when I think that Dusty's not doing something that's in the, for the best interest of this team. But I've always said this too. Regular season Dusty, different than playoff Dusty. Just like a year ago when I said, I hope he doesn't do this in the postseason. If he doesn't, then we'll see how it plays out. And I gave him his flowers at the end of the year. Again with Dusty, no matter what he seems to want to do and the trends that he likes to follow with rest and otherwise regular season, so far to this point, Dusty Baker has managed his tail off, and he is a huge reason why the Astros are up a game in this series. Yeah, one thing that I think that we hang our hat on as a show is we try to call it like we see it. And sometimes, and whenever you do that, you're going to make half of the fan base mad and half of the fan base mad on your very next opinion. Like, you can't just blindly follow every single decision. If Dusty Baker's playing Greg Kessinger in a very important game, you're going to call that out. Like when Martin Maldonado's hitting 180 for the entire year and he's catching 95% of the games when you have an Adley Rushman offensively behind him, you're going to point out some of the things that bother you about that. So you just, like, you got to be able to call it like you see it. you got to be transparent. you got to bash Dusty when it's deserved. you gotta be, you got to give him flowers when it's not. And to the texture's point, we spent 15 minutes giving Dusty Baker flowers because he, I thought, managed a master class with his pitching staff yesterday. Because why? We call it like we see it. Dusty managed that game really well from a pitching staff point of view. There's no doubt about it. So we said that. When Dusty Baker does some questionable things, we point out when Dusty Baker does questionable things. we got to call it like we see it. We're not going to do it to make you happy or Dusty Baker apologist happy. Facts. Well, you know, the one that I completely, you know, was over the – over the top, just ticked off about was when you've got a half game lead in the division and John Singleton and Jake Myers are suddenly thrust into your lineup after not playing for a long, long time in a game that I felt like you had to win. Those are things I'm going to question 10 times out of 10. But at the same time, when he manages the pitching staff like he's done to this point, when he's used Abreu, not necessarily in the closer road, but in the highest of leverage situations, when he didn't burn guys and used Montero and Maton when the game was clearly at hand, 
those are things that you're going to credit him every single step of the way. He's still going to be quirky. He's still going to be dusty. But as long as the results are the same, that's the main thing that everybody wants to see from this team. As long as you get the W at the end of the day, it's not all the different you know, connecting of the dots to the, to the bottom line. It's what was the end result. And if it's a W, Dusty did his job. And to the Texas point, too, if anybody's rooting for the Astros to lose because of their dislike yeah. from Aldi or Dusty, that's ridiculous. Like, then you shouldn't be a fan in the first yeah, place. That shouldn't happen. Uh, zero two zero two. We're quote. We're honest about Dusty. End quote. Just proves your honest opinion is nonsense. The most recent opinion we have of Dusty Baker was that he managed a master class yesterday. So they kind of backfired on you there a little bit. Zero two zero two. Seven one three seven eight zero. ESPN. I'm starting to see some angst. This is again a. Uh, I think a vocal minority, but I'm starting to see some angst about Will Anderson not finishing some plays. There, there was the end round where Will Anderson kind of whiffed on It was a tough play. Uh, there was the Desmond Ritter put his, found, his, his uh, foot in the dirt, cut to his left, got around Will Anderson. Anderson has one sack on the year. Uh, the, the analytics numbers love him, right? The, he's winning his, he's winning his uh, matchup against the, the tackle. His, uh, his average rush time is very high. He's getting double teamed all the time. Analytics love him. He's putting together some pressures, putting together some hurries, making some tackles, stuff in the running game, things like that. He's stuck on one sack. And we can kind of point to Dusty Baker here. He talks about exit velocity. He says he didn't care about exit velocity. He cares about exit hits. So Dusty probably wouldn't like the analytics on Will Anderson and would point to the sacks only having one of them. Where are you in terms of the angst of Will Anderson not being able to get to the quarterback since week one? Look, I I think that he's shown enough on tape to show that he can be a dominant football player in the NFL for the years to come. I think where it runs into the kind of feedback that you're seeing that you're talking about is when you make the trade that they made on draft day and you bring in Will Anderson, the expectation is you're getting the second coming of a Lawrence Taylor type player. You're getting a kind of player that's going to be disruptive from the jump. The minute you put him in a uniform and put him on your defensive line, he's going to make things happen. A lot of times people don't take the time to dig a little deeper to see that he's still being disruptive. He's making things happen that make the offense have to adjust. The fact is he's just not doing it with sacks and the kind of impact plays that make SportsCenter, that make the fans feel like, oh, we did the right thing, we got the right guy. It's not all measured by sacks and tackles for loss. You saw him block a field goal. You see him get to the backfield. I think we all would agree that we need to see more of a pass rush and more sacks from this defense, but I think that you have to dig a little deeper to see that it's not all about sacks with what Will Anderson can do to disrupt an offensive system in game-to-game. I'll be honest. I want to start seeing some sacks. I need to see some exit sacks, if I'm being completely honest with you. Like, I think that Anderson, I think that Anderson is a, is impacting the game. Like his pro football focus score is high. His win rate's high. His double team percentage is high. He's pressuring the quarterback. That's good. He is getting to the backfield. I, I am starting to see a lot of yeah buts with Will Anderson, though. Look, I'm not being critical of Anderson, the player. I'm not going to make this a draft day trade conversation. But I am seeing a lot of yeah buts about Will Anderson. Before the Texans had Will Anderson, before he was, you know, only had one sack through one game, we measured everything on sacks. When you look at defensive ends and stuff, you measure it on sacks. And now we're seeing Will Anderson got a sack in the first game. Everybody's like, oh, yeah, great, Will Anderson sacks. But it hasn't gotten one since then. And I'm starting to see a lot of yeah buts when it comes to Will Anderson. You guys think that would change if if he was just drafted by a team in the top five? Would that change? Would there be a different mentality? No, I don't think so. No, I don't think so. You're still a top five pick, and you still got to produce. I feel like I don't you think get so. a little bit of a pass your first year, like Trevon Walker, right? Like the Jags were well, not getting crushed until this year. I don't know about that for man. that pick. I mean, like it wasn't it wasn't as bad. Look last, at Aiden Hutchinson. Like, last it's, quarter, it's louder of, now. Last quarter of last year, though, how did the Jags not pa- draft Hutch? Yeah, it's an all time bad. Like it looks like one of the worst draft decisions you could ever make. The Texans are fortunate they won't have that conversation because even if Jalen Carter is way better than Will Anderson and has outproduced Will Anderson to this point, you're going to have the yeah, but they would have never drafted Jalen exactly. Carter. So, so like they the Texans, pass. they do get a pass for that. Yeah, because when you look at it, I, I, I just feel like there's a, there's a, a first year, get your feet wet, get experience, understand like the different level that the NFL is, and even if you played at Alabama, to where I think there'd be a little bit more forgiveness. But because of the fact that this was part of a, a bigger story and this was a lot more focused because of it, that you're looking for impactful defensive player, you know, cornerstone for the rest of the you know rest of his career in Houston. I think that people unfairly 
are, are hyper-scrutinizing him right now. I think it's more to be on the entire defense and D'Amico and everybody else to realize they've got to get more of a fat pass rush. They've got to be more effective getting to the quarterback than they've been in the first five weeks of the season. You, but D'Amico is a, is a guy that likes to get pressure with four. Like he, He's not going to send an extra man a ton. Uh, he's going to try to scheme some things up, and, and Grenard's been more effective of getting I thought back Grenard looked great last week. I thought he was extremely active, almost to a fault, because I think that he was over a little uh, a little overzealous sometimes. And, See, and I thought Anderson was a little more overzealous than, than uh, Grenard was, quite frankly. I thought it led to the offsides penalties a lot. I think the entire defense was a little bit too much uh, on their tiptoes and overzealous. But I think that overall, when you see the athleticism of those two guys on the ends, I see them creating pressures. I just need to see that end with uh, more sacks. And I don't, I mean, I don't know how they schematically do that to get that end result, but I think that's something that they got to be working on. 713-780-ESPN-HRMP listener line, 713-780-3776. Are you starting to have a little angst? Will Anderson not finishing these plays, pass rushes, getting to the quarterback. Also, what we really learned from Sunday's loss against Atlanta. It's the Killer Bees on ESPN at 97.5 and ESPN 92.5. Right now I want to tell you about the fact that Allstate Siding and Windows is the place that you need to go to if you want to make your house your home and make it your homestead that is protected, that is fantastic, that does the things that you need a, a good house to do. Not cost you a lot of money but also be able to save you a ton of money by saving on the fact that you're not going to let air conditioning get out through cracks and leaks in your windows. You're not going to have issues with the outside exterior of your house that won't protect you from storms and hurricanes and rain and wind. That's why you go to Allstate Siding and Windows, because they've been around forever. They're family-owned and operated for over four generations, and they're focused on taking care of your number one investment, that being your home. And with siding and windows, they're difference makers, because they can, you can save up to 40% on your energy bills when you get vinyl windows. And those windows, when they're installed by experts like the people at Allstate, are going to be Basically, your, your first line of protection to keep leaks and, and everything out, but to make sure the weather and the issues stay out and you stay either cool in the summer or warm in the winter. It's fantastic, and the siding the same way. There's a huge selection of colors and quality products, but there's no staining issues, repairing of your home and the exterior, issues with breaking down of your bricks and your, your stucco. No, the siding can take care of all of it. It's energy efficient, saves on your electric bills, and it can be a difference maker too. They've got lots of specials. It's always going on, but the only way that you can get those things done is to make sure that you call them, get in contact with them, and see how they can help you. Go to AllStateWindowsAndSiding.com or AllStateSidingAndWindows.com. It doesn't matter because both work. Or give them a call, 832-204-1936, 832-204-1936. ESPN 97.5.com. Take his pork chop. I don't want his pork chop. I want his life. Houston, the showdown of the year is almost here. Dana Holgerson taking on his former team tomorrow at 6 at TDECU Stadium. Houston Cougars against the West Virginia Mountaineers. Expect an unforgettable night of college football action. A blackout game celebrating Hispanic Heritage Month. The weather's going to be fantastic. No baseball to worry about either. Uh, running a special right now. You get tickets to three games for only $66. West Virginia, Cincinnati, and Oklahoma State. Go to uhcougars.com slash tickets or call 713-GO. Cougs. Don't miss all the pageantry and fun of college football. Come early. Enjoy the tailgating scene. It's going to be great tomorrow. Enjoy all the activities in Cougar Alley in front of TDECU Stadium including uh, the huge LED TV screen, Bud Light Backyard, great spot for a drink, and much, much more. Spirit of Houston performs at the half. Entertainment by cheerleaders Cougar Dolls, Shasta, and Sasha. Again, get three tickets or get tickets to three games for only $66. West Virginia, Cincinnati, and Oklahoma State. Head over to uhcougars.com slash tickets or call 713-GO-COUGS. Come early, be loud, and wear black for the blackout game. Yeah, no doubt about it. I think that's going to be a big game. It's going to be fun to watch Dana against his old team. You're excited? Excited, yes. Very excited for that game tomorrow. It's going to be a lot of fun. First Big 12 victory. I can feel it uh, tomorrow. Tiger, media guys talked about uh, Clowney the same way. Screw all that. I need to see some sacks. And then you have Aggie Matt saying, uh, would you do the same trade for J.J. Watt knowing that he'd become the future Hall of Famer? He only had five sacks his rookie year. I, I lean yes. I lean that I would. Um, you know, at the time, of the, yeah, I lean yes. I lean yes. But you could have had some really good players the other way as well. But I, during the break, I, I did pull up the first five games for J.J., first five games for Will Anderson. 
You can make the case that Will Anderson through five games has outplayed J.J. Watt, quite frankly. Uh, Will Anderson, 21 tackles in his first five games. He has two tackles for a loss, one sack. He's hit the quarterback six times. J.J. Watt, 15 tackles, less than Anderson. Two tackles for a loss, same as Anderson. One sack, same as Anderson. And three quarterbacks hits, which is half of Will Anderson. Yeah, look, I, that's why I was curious your guys' thoughts and would it have changed if he wasn't you know, part of the, the trade and was just drafted where he was drafted. Because I think it's, it's fair to have high expectations for a young player taken in the top five no matter what position you play. But I think you also have to be fair in that everybody adjusts differently and, and that some guys might take longer than others to kind of settle in and get comfortable and do the kind of And a lot of times we even talk about you know, friend of our, a friend of our show, uh, Travis Johnson, when you're drafted after you, you're used to playing just one way, one system your whole career in college and high school, and then you're asked to play a different system, that can change it too. But I think that it's too early to be hypercritical of Will Anderson. I think that you know by the end of the season, if you, you don't see the sacks, if you don't see some of the things that you were hoping to see, that maybe then that you you know you're going to hear you you can see that people have a little bit more validity right now I don't think it's the time because of all the things that he's been dealing with and they're dealing with yeah I'd like to see some sacks but I'm not disgusted I don't have angst because I do think that they're coming and I've seen some bright spots about it uh, Lamont I don't think Will Anderson's being hyper criticized and I think Stroud is covering for him a bit in other words if Will was drafted alone with no CJ I think the pitchforks would come out but now everybody's on cloud nine because of CJ I think it's a fair point I think CJ Stroud does alleviate some concerns of, like, other young players, you know, maybe not even Will Anderson, but, like, Derek Stingley, like Kenyon Green. Because you have a quarterback that everybody's really excited about, a quarterback that you feel like it, you, you have very high promise with going forward, I think it does cover up a lot of warts that wouldn't normally be covered yeah. up if you didn't have that franchise QB. Yeah, I, I think it deflects a lot because on the flip side, if, if, if C.J. Stroud's first five games were like we expected, you know, what most – rookie quarterbacks starting for the first time in a, in a full season go through those growing pains would have been the focus of everybody they would have nitpicked even more every turnover every interception every misread every everything that a quarterback does. but when you do it as well as he's done it and literally not turn the ball over from through the air everybody is so focused on for the first time in a long time all the positives and focusing on C.J. Stroud, that you're right. It deflects, and it and it, people look the other way when you start talking about sing, you know all the different th- Stingley. When you talk about some of the guys that have been out in the offensive line, now the problem is is that they're joined at the hip, Anderson and Stroud, as we've said, and so therefore he's still going to catch strays, and he's still going to be evaluated as part of the process. People won't forget it as easily. Yeah, I mean, he's been solid. He's been. I think Anderson's been a good football player. It is interesting comparing him to Watt first five games like we we talk a lot about rookie quarterbacks like being patient with them I think it's fair to say you should probably be patient on a defensive end like that stuff's not going to happen overnight not you have your freaks you have some dudes who have unbelievable uh rookie years but you know you you do need to be patient with rookies even if it's not the quarterback position all over the field I think yeah it's one of those things where like if if Will Anderson was a quarterback like he's almost like a like a Mac Jones like, he's doing enough, but he's not making those big-time plays. I still think they're going to come. Like, I still have full faith that Will Anderson is going to be a really good player. And frankly, like, part of it seems like it's a scheme thing also. Like, the, the opposing teams are getting the ball away so yeah, quickly. They are. That, like, he's having a hard time getting to the quarterback. We saw last week, I think it was, like, the first play of the game, he chased down Bijan in the backfield. Like, yeah, they didn't block him on that play, though. Yeah, like, like that's, that's the, like the you're, effort. You're, the motor's there. You're, you're, the motor's definitely there. But yeah. that's that's a play where you're expecting to develop before Will Anderson's even involved in that play. It's why you don't block him. Like, yeah. he was literally unblocked on that play. That play was made by the opposite side of the defensive line, penetrating the defense, moving them back, forcing uh, Bijan to have hesitation. And you're right, the motor the motor has been there. And he does have a good amount of tackles. And I think that he is winning blocks. And I think he is getting to the backfield. I think the scheme of other teams is a good point because I do think that the other teams are getting the ball out quickly against the Texans. And I think a little bit of that's, especially recently, is a um, lack of talent in the secondary, especially yeah. at corner because you were without Shaq Griffin this past week. And, of course, Stingley went out a few weeks ago. Well, you might be without Shaq Griffin again this weekend, Sounds right? like it. Yeah. They just signed Jason Verrett. Yeah. And, and so, like, now you're just looking at you're, you're keep getting depleted in the secondary and, like, there's no reason to sit back and try to go deep when everything is open underneath because they're playing soft coverage all the time. So, like, I, I don't know. I, 
to me, like the I get why people are concerned about Will Anderson because I think they look at Aiden Hutchinson. See, I, mean, I think concern's too big a word. I, I do think concern's too big a word. Like they, I think it's more like anxious, anxious, maybe a little bit of angst, like hoping that it happens faster. Yeah, like they they want to see Will Anderson get to the quarterback every single game. Yeah, like they want to have the conversation after week one. Is he going to have seventeen sacks? Which this season? we we <laughs> talked about yes. after week one. Yeah, like, and, and I think too that. Yeah, I don't. I think it's way too early. And even even the most critical Texans fan understands that we haven't even scratched the surface of what his career is going to look like. It's just that when you take a guy that was as dominant as he was on the college level, but he wasn't playing against NFL caliber players every single week, and now thrust him into being where he was being taken where he was taken in the middle of the trade he was put in, and then also put him in front and, and, and know that there's expectations there on a young team where there's not a ton of talent surrounding him like there is with Carter in Philadelphia, you just have to know that there, there's, you're in the crosshairs no matter what, no matter how your quarterback plays. And not everybody is going to be as forgiving and understanding and, and knowing that this kid is just starting his career and he's going up against grown men that are paid just like him every single week, and a lot of them are pretty damn good. You know where my angst actually grows from? It's not anything to do with Will Anderson. Because I think that Will Anderson still has high potential. I think highly of Will Anderson still, like all of that. My angst is more, I feel like people are moving the goalposts on Anderson. Like the whole like creating stats to justify Will Anderson being good at football. Well, he doesn't have the sacks, but you shouldn't even look at the sacks. Sacks don't matter. There's other things that impact games, but you're the same person that last year is talking about drafting a defensive end to sack the quarterback. So my angst actually grows more with the defense of it than like creating these stats and creating these numbers to like justify a low sack total. Like, dude, he's, he's, he was drafted to get sacks. He was drafted to be a game disruptor, to get to the quarterback and destroy the passing game. And is it fair to grade him after five games? No. His five-game numbers are better than J.J. Watt's five-game numbers. You probably should be having this conversation week five and year two. My angst, quite frankly, grows with the yeah buts we're getting from all the people assessing and analyzing his game. Yeah, and I think the other thing is you look at what his game is, it's clearly so such a wide range of talent because week one he does get the sack and then we're starting to talk about that but then he's on the radar of def- of offenses knowing they're going to have to be a, you know key on him because he can do some things then you look at the block field goal and, and and the athleticism that it takes to do those kind of things you look at the kind of ways that teams have to block block him and be concerned with him every step of the way and you realize he has all the tools he has all the talent it's just how long is it going to take for him to kind of put them all on display week in, week out in a variety of ways? Right now, he's still learning. Yeah, I just got annoyed by this twitcher, if I'm going to be honest. Uh, M first. Uh, Will Anderson on pace to be better than J.J. Watt. People are upset. Yeah, you're right, man. Will Anderson only has 113 and a half sacks to go to be right there with J.J. Watt. Because J.J. Watt only had one sack in his first five games, and Will Anderson has one sack in his first five games, J- Will Anderson's going to be a three-time defensive player of the year, a first ballot Hall of Famer, and he's got 113 and a half sacks to come in his NFL career. It's so funny that, like, uh, there's – and I think this is a very common thing amongst, like, Texans Twitter and fans – is that the the expectations versus the results on Will Anderson are not matching. So they're moving the goalpost closer to Will Anderson. Like they're giving you more reason to love him even more, but yet C.J. Stroud, the better he plays, they move the goalpost farther away. Like every time something doesn't go well for Will Anderson, they say, oh, well, there's this. But every time something goes well for C.J. Stroud, they go, oh, well, he hasn't done this. Like it's it's yeah, weird last week it was he hasn't led a team on a drive when they needed it down late yeah. in the game. Yeah. Then he did that. Now it was well. What's next? What you know? What's the next critical point that he hasn't done yet? As opposed to focusing on pro football focus and all the different stats that are you know deeper inside of the game to show how impactful Will Anderson has been so far. Seven one three seven eight zero ESPN HRP listener line seven one three seven eight zero three seven seven six. I watched a preseason Rockets game for the first time since Yao. Why? Why? Tell you why next. Killer Bees on ESPN 97.5 and ESPN 92.5. I finally got back to the uh, to the gym yesterday. Iron 24 Fitness and Recovery, they're helping me out. I'm excited for this because, like many of you, I, I haven't focused or prioritized working out for a while now. But that's over thanks to Iron 24 Fitness and Recovery. It's a new kind of gym. It's perfect for me. I think it'd be perfect for you, too. 24-7 access, which is perfect for our busy schedules. Personally, I'm not a big fan of contracts. I don't like hidden fees. I, I doubt you do either. 
weather. I don't like dealing with people. I don't want a gym tour. I don't want a sales call. And I don't have to worry about any of that with Iron 24 Fitness and Recovery. It's 100% digital, which fits me perfectly. Iron, uh, every Iron 24 facility has everything you need. Free weights, they got that. Machines, any cardio that you need, it's ideal. Tons of space, everything you need to get a good workout in without people bothering you. Also, for your post-workout, signature recovery rooms, uh, recovery rooms with infrared saunas. You'll love that. Iron 24 Fitness and Recovery, four locations around Houston. More are opening soon. I go to the one up in Conroe. There's a couple of Pearland locations, one in Lake Jackson. More on the way. In fact, Magnolia and Sugarland are enrolling now. Another great perk, too, is that members get universal 24-7 access to any location. So you're signed up through the one in Pearland. You can go work out in the one in Conroe. doesn't matter. For a limited time, participating Iron 24 locations are offering new member ESPN listeners two weeks free with zero down when they join with the Iron 24 app. Just go to iron24.com slash ESPN. That's iron24.com slash ESPN and get started today with Iron 24 Fitness and Recovery. ESPN 97.5 and 92.5. We're your daddy. Well, I feel like I'm your daddy. You're not my daddy. No, 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 I'm your daddy. You ain't my daddy, boy. Yes, I am. You are not our daddy. I am your daddy. Not our daddy. You're back in the hive with the killer bees. Live from the Mobile Veritex Community Bank Studios at Wakefield Crowbar, here's Joel Blank and Jeremy Branham. Houston, the showdown of the year, almost here. Dana Holgerson taking on his former team tomorrow night at TDECU Stadium. Houston Cougars taking on the West Virginia uh, Mountaineers in a Big 12 tilt. Expect an unforgettable night of college football. The weather, fantastic. Blackout game, those are always fun. And also celebrating Hispanic Heritage Month. Do not run out of time on this special that U of H is offering. Get tickets to three games for only $66. West Virginia, Cincinnati, Oklahoma State is part of that. Head over to uhcougars.com slash tickets or call 713-GO-COUGS. Come early, be loud, and wear black. Giving away a pair of tickets right now. 713-780-3776. Caller number 7 wins a pair of tickets. 713-780-3776. I got a, uh, I got a bird earlier today, Blankers. So you, you can did? add one up to my bird count. I think it's my, well, how many am I up to now? That was my first one this year. You might. We haven't had many in a while. Yeah. Um, oh, I got. Yeah, you know what? Now that you mentioned, I got one yesterday too. Of course, you're trying to one up me. No, I'm not. I'm probably yours is probably a better story. But how'd you, you get yours? Taylor and I were driving in the car at K, at Katie Mills Mall, and I, there was a car trying to get over, and we were driving in the middle lane, and I actually slowed down and let the car the car to my right wouldn't let the car over. She slides over two lanes, and as she gets on the entrance ramp, she just turns and flips me, and I go, "What the hell did I do to deserve that?" Yeah, that's a that's a yeah, probably nothing. You didn't deserve. I don't feel like I deserve mine either. I, I was trying to get onto the on ramp, and I was in the second lane, and I needed to get over, but I couldn't get over yet because there was a car there. So I slowed down, and there was a car way behind. Saw me with my blinker. Saw me trying to get over. That tried to speed up and not let me over. So of course, I mean, I got the truck. I cut him off, and then you know, they gave me a little bit of a bird. Told me I was number one, and I gladly wear that one because you should never speed up to try to Im- impede somebody from getting yeah. over when they they have an obvious blinker to try to get over. It's That's rude. an intentional a hole. Society move is what that is. You're intentionally yeah. trying to be an a hole. You're not in a hurry. It's not going to impede your ability to get where you need to go at the right time. You're doing that because you probably had a bad day and you want to take it out on somebody. Yeah, I, I, I wear that bird like a badge of honor. I was happy to get that one. Uh, Rockets played their first preseason game. I'll be honest with you, Blankers. This is the first time, legitimately, I'm not making this up, this is the first time that I've watched a Rockets preseason game since Yao Ming. I haven't had any interest of watching Rockets preseason basketball. Uh, I was very intrigued with Yao Ming, obviously, number one yep. pick. Whenever, you know, once he was established, like, they probably weren't even playing him a whole lot in the preseason. Once they traded for T-Mac, like, they probably didn't play him a whole lot in the preseason. And it was all about the regular season with those teams. Uh, once they brought in Harden, they, didn't even, they brought in Harden after the preseason in his first year. So you can even have an opportunity to watch Harden in the preseason before he played regular season basketball. Never watch one preseason of James Harden. But because I'm excited about the direction of the Rockets, especially their young talent, and I'm so eager to see what they look like on the floor together, that was the first preseason Rockets game I've watched since Yao Ming. Yeah, I watched it too, Jeremy, and I'll take it a step further. I, I'm interested and, and very excited about uh, uh, Ime Adoka. And I want to yeah. see what a real coach can do 
with this roster. And I'm with you. I think that they've, they've actually uh, stockpiled a ton of young talent. I like the fact that they brought in the veterans. I still don't agree with how much they gave Dylan Brooks, but I really loved and you knew I was after Fred Van Vliet. But it means nothing if you don't get the right coaching and the right system and you don't put a system in place that maximizes these ta- the talent and the abilities of this team. What Udoka is already doing and what Cam Whitmore looks like already, and, and even Amen Thompson to me, he didn't shoot the ball well, but he doesn't have to with the talent around him. If they just play a system instead of iso ball and, and all the different things that they didn't do well, I want to see the continued development of how true coaching and guidance can take this roster to the next level. So far, I've been very pleased and impressed with what I've seen. A man I thought had a bad game, but you could see the promise that he has. Like He was a little sloppy with the ball, but I don't expect that to be a problem of his. I don't think he's ever going to be a good shooter, but no. was still efficient. He led the team. And he led the game. He was the he had the most rebounds of anybody in that game now, yesterday. Did, are you with me? I was interested in your opinion on this, but when I watch him play, he's he's very Ben Simmons ish in his game. But I think he can shoot the ball better than Ben Simmons, and I know he doesn't have the, he doesn't have confidence issues that he will yeah. still shoot the ball. I don't know if he's there yet, but I think he will shoot it better. I, but I think that the other aspects of his game are very similar to Ben Simmons. I think he's going to be able to defend. I think yep. he's going to rebound. He's got unbelievable court vision. He's going to be able to pass the basketball. And I think that he's going to be an asset to the team no matter how much he scores or doesn't score by shooting it. Yep. He finishes around the rim, too. Yeah, I think he's pretty similar. He's not as big. But I think he might be, eh, I don't know if I want to go there. But uh, I think he will be a better shooter. But he's going to be very similar. Three, like a, a defensive guy, can penetrate, can get by. He didn't finish at the rim very good at all yesterday. But I expect him to over the course of his career. Uh, Cam Whitmore I thought looked really, really good. Like, to me, there's no way that Jay Sean Tate should be getting minutes over Cam Whitmore. You should trade him. I, I don't I, I think that ship is sailed. Because I don't disagree he, with you. I don't think he's going to get you much value either. Yeah, and Rafael Stone extended him before he had to. But I think that there were a lot of veteran teams that were looking for a guy like Jay Sean Tate. But when that contract money went up, I don't think anybody wants to touch him for the fact that he brings minimal return on investment because yeah. of how high his salary is. Yeah, I don't like it's not. I don't think it's a ridiculous salary. I think you can. I think you could get out of it rather easily. Uh, I have a bad feeling that Jay Sean Tate's going to be ahead of Cam Whitmore in the rotation, though. I, I just, hope not. I hope not either. Uh, I don't. I don't really don't like him on this roster. Not to say he's a bad player. I just want those I minutes just, to go to Whitmore. I think that Udoka has to be the kind of guy, especially if he's the voice in the room, that says, "I don't care what you guys did and who you paid before I got here. I'm well, playing the best players." And Cam Whitmore right now looks like you have to find a place for him. I have zero doubt that Adoka is the the voice in the room. No, like, but I'm saying. But sometimes you're the voice in the room, but you also realize, well, we're paying a guy this amount of money, so I have to play him. I, I don't, I don't want to ever have Odoka be that guy because I believe that he has the, the, the freedom to do it. He has the protection of knowing he's not going anywhere, and he needs to play the best players right now if he's truly focused on winning like he if, says he is. If anything, though, I'm scared that he's going to favor the veteran. That's a Dusty-type move, you mean? Yeah, I think Adoka's going to give favoritism to veterans early. Early? I could see that. Yeah. The only thing like, I, I'm confused by is Adoka, when he was meeting with the media yesterday before the game, he said that Jay Sean Tate might see some time, some minutes at center. I heard that. Like, wow. It's that him and Jabari will, yeah. like, could see minutes at center. He said both those huh. guys combined. So like, I guess they're going super small. That's super small. And like, Jay Sean Tate could be your I backup center. Jabari. He's not your backup center. I understand center. Jabari being a, a stretch five, like a, a run Definitely. up and down 100%. five. Because yeah. he does have some size. I don't understand Jay Sean Tate. He's, he's physical, but no, Mario Ellie never tried to play center. He's I probably mean, your yes. third string backup small ball five. Like He might get two minutes there. Over the course of an NFL of an NBA season, unless that's where all of his minutes are going to be, as like as like you're a small ball. I mean, center. he wasn't there yesterday. I mean, no. They used him on the wing yesterday. Yeah. yeah, so I don't see that happening. What about Dylan Brooks getting thrown out? Joe and I were talking about it before the show. I, I just I didn't think that was dirty. I think it was a victim of reputation. I, I think know. that you know because of all the things that he's done, and especially because the recency is he did it even in the playoffs against the Golden Child uh, of LeBron James, that people have long memories. And I think that whether it, it was a borderline play, whether he did it or not, it was hard to determine. I didn't think he did, but I thought that his reputation was exactly why he got thrown out. Yeah, I thought it was a reputation call, too. I actually kind of liked it, too. It's like, okay, this is who I am. I'm going to get thrown out a lot. Well, and he, Expect he, this, Houston. Preseason basketball. Now it's Dylan the villain. <laughs> Dylan yeah, the he villain. Likes, he likes the nickname. I'll tell you yeah. this. From a league perspective, I can tell you why they tossed him. Because they're trying to change him. Yeah, they're setting a precedent. Well, I think, I think it's league-wide. Yep. I think it's league-wide, too. I don't think it's only him. It's like we're not going to accept this in our game. 
Uh, Dusty Baker made with the media moments ago. He didn't want to name a potential Game 5 starter, saying the Astros wanted to end the series today. This is from Chandler Rome. He did, however, say Justin Verlander would start Game 1 of a potential ALCS. So... There's it's that odd. about the. It's I think odd. I think this is kind of mentality. Like we're not we're not uh, we're not thinking about a game five. So because I'm not thinking of a game five, why would I tell you of a game five starter? But upstairs we're thinking about an ALCS. So I'm cool giving you with a game one star. I think it's all mentality. I hope that would make some sense. But yeah, it's a little bit odd. You, you, I think we all know that if there's a game five, Justin Verlander is going to be on the hill for you. And if they win tonight and there's a game one, Justin Verlander is going to be on the hill for you. It's a no brainer whether he wants to. Yeah. to say it you know, publicly or not. Yeah, it's all mentality because you're right. I mean, the next guy who starts a game for the Astros is going to be a Justin Verlander, whether it's game one of an ALCS against the Rangers or it's game five Friday night at Minute Bay Park against Pablo Lopez and the Minnesota Twins. Speaking of game four, how imperative is a game four win tonight in about an hour against the Minnesota Twins? Are the Astros making the right call on two fronts? Arquiti over France and Chaz over Dubon in center field. 713-780-ESPN, the HRP listener line. Killer Bees broadcasting live at Wakefield Crowbar on ESPN 97.5 and ESPN 92.5. i got to save you some money. It's one of my favorite things that I do is saving you money. I'm a homeowner. Most of you are homeowners, so we, we're all in this together. We know that home insurance rates are, are stupid right now. You've seen increases up to 50%, even higher some places. It's ridiculous. It's super expensive. And how do you stop? that stupidity grab your phone right now about to tell you you're about to text tgs insurance agency tgs is the fastest growing agency in texas why because they make saving you money fast like to hear that and easy love to hear that their instant quoting system shops the market for you so you don't have to and they deliver you a proposal in 15 seconds like i said it's very fast you can't afford to wait any longer you need to save right now take the phone Text the word money, M-O-N-E-Y, to 232323. The TGS system will ask for your address. Just send that back. You'll get your proposal with excellent coverage within 15 seconds. It's easy. TGS is winning for people everywhere, up the coast, over to Katy, down to Cypress, all the way to Beaumont, up to the Woodlands. TGS customers save big. Over 35,000 of your neighbors in the area trust TGS, and with thousands of five-star reviews, you can trust TGS, too. It's simple. It's fast, it's easy, and big savings. That's why TGS is the gold standard. You can't afford to wait any longer. Don't be left paying more. Get your savings right now. All you do is text money to 232323, money to 232323. ESPN 97.5 and 92.5, the only sports radio on FM in Houston. (laughs) 